0: Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter B. Liss. Wherever you are on your journey to glorify God, we are so glad you're here. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll come alongside you in the seasons and challenges of life to move you to know and love God in His Word, to find your hope in the gospel, and to invest deeply in your local church as you go out on mission for the glory of God. Today, we are sharing a conversation that I had with my friend, Emily Jensen, where she imparts some much needed encouragement for those who are feeling weak. This episode was entirely appropriate for me as I have really been feeling my weakness as of late. If you don't know her, Emily is the co-founder and content director at Risen Motherhood, co-author of the Risen Motherhood book, and the author of a new book called He is Strong, Devotions for When You Feel Weak, which released on October the 10th. I can't wait to share this conversation with you, but before we go there, I just want to say a big thank you to those of you who support Journey Women Ministries by donating to the podcast. With your help, we're coming alongside more women to move them to know and love God, and we are so grateful. If you'd like to help us in our aim to move women to know and love God and His Word, to find their hope in the gospel, and to invest deeply in their local churches as they go out on mission for the glory of God, you can do so at journeywomenpodcast.com forward slash give. Emily Jensen, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. Thanks. It is a delight
1: to be here and talk to you today, friend.
0: I think this is at least your third time on the podcast, but certainly the Journey Women podcast would not be where it is if it weren't for you and Laura. You guys are two of my dearest friends in ministry, and I am so thankful. I just want to introduce you to those who are watching, if they haven't interfaced with your ministry, Risen Motherhood. Uh, The Risen Motherhood podcast is absolutely wonderful. I recommend it to every mom I know and listen to it myself. You guys walk us through the gospel and apply those gospel truths to hardships that we face in motherhood, like Even potty training, guys. That was one of my favorite episodes, Em. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while, but you uh, have just continued in that ministry, and it's been so fun to watch the way the Lord has led you guys over the years. You guys wrote a book together, you and Laura Wiffler. And now you have published a brand new book that's getting ready to release on October 10th uh, this fall. It's called He is Strong, Devotions for When You Feel Weak. And I am personally so excited for that book to release because I've read every word, had the opportunity to endorse it, and was so ministered to by it that I thought it'd be great for us to get on the Zoom slash Riverside and do a little call and hope to encourage our friends that are watching who also feel weak. So thank you so much for all your hard work.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, this is a topic that I have personally experienced a ton and now feel very familiar with. So I'm happy to share Anything that I know about it.
0: <laughs> well, I was telling you that I felt particularly weak even before stepping into the closet to record today, which just happens to be on brand for journey women. I find that the Lord is often doing these things in my own heart that I am going first in learning the lessons that we are hoping to share with the listeners. So I certainly feel weak, but I'm interested to hear from you how you would describe weakness and just how you've experienced it on a personal level.
1: Yeah, I think weakness is such an interesting word because we often use it As like a blanket feeling word when we are overwhelmed or we're hungry or we're tired or we don't feel like we have enough of what we need to do something. What we really mean is, right, I'm weak. And that word actually just means that you're lacking something that you need to accomplish a task or meet a certain mark. And that means that it's a relative word. So it also matters. You know, if you're failing to meet a mark or you feel like you don't have enough of something, that means there's a standard that you're holding yourself to. So that makes it a very interesting word and concept as well. I like the way that J.I. Packer defines it. He Mm. says that weakness is a state of inadequacy or insufficiency in relation to some standard or ideal to which we desire to conform. So that's kind of a long way of saying that when we feel weak, We just have this sense that we don't have what it takes, that we don't have enough, that we are not sufficient in and of ourselves. And I think most of us have that feeling on a regular basis in our lives. So, even to like, you know, give this as more practical examples, weakness is like when you want to move your living room couch to a new room, but you lack. The muscle fibers and bodily energy and mass needed to do that yourself, which I have tried to do that before and (laughs) left a big scratch on my floor. Weakness is the thing that like, I want to endure a long afternoon of mothering, the children are crying, there's all these tasks that I need to do, but I feel like I lack the mental and emotional energy I need to persevere, or I lack the problem-solving skills I need to work through and triage kind of the tasks that I have ahead of me. Or perhaps like another way to think about this is I don't want to eat the whole bowl of peanuts and candy corn that are sitting there. But I feel like I lack the willpower that I need and the self-control to resist it, right? I think weakness can be this encompassing thing. Like We lack the skills, the ability, the motivation, the aptitude to do something. Maybe we don't have the power or the agency that we want in a situation. And so the instances of this are endless.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I certainly feel my weakness all the time. In fact, I think J.I. Packer is the one who wrote the book, Weakness is the Way. Is that correct?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I I sadly like found out about that book after I'd written my book because I think that would have been so <laughs> helpful for me to read. But I've, I've now listened to a little bit of his teachings on weakness and what I've heard is so good.
0: Yeah, well, even just the title of the book, because let's just say it takes me a bit to sink my teeth into J.I. Packer in this season of Motherhood. But the title has ministered to me because I certainly feel my weakness on a daily basis basis. So how do we try to overcome our weaknesses? Like this could be good or bad. I'm not talking like biblically necessarily, but how have you seen yourself try to overcome your weaknesses and others?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because there's a whole spectrum of responses that I think we tend to have. And I have experienced all of these. So I think on one kind of end of the spectrum, we can go to downward comparison to try to make ourselves feel better in our weakness or cope in our weakness. So again, it's a relative word. So if we can look around us and find someone that is even weaker than we are in a certain area and we can feel strong by comparison, then we can sort of ignore our weaknesses or we can kind of say, oh, maybe these things aren't that bad or I'm not really experiencing this because look at how bad this person is. And that's a real way that sometimes we deal with our own insufficiency. I think another thing that we do in terms of like our own insufficiency and insecurity is develop kind of a critical or judgmental spirit towards others, right? Like, I don't want other people to see and know that I feel deeply scared and insecure about what kind of job I'm doing in ministry, in motherhood, in my vocation, and so I'm going to be quick to spot weaknesses and faults and errors in others because it draws the attention to their weakness and it helps me feel like I look like I know something that other people don't know or that maybe I do have it all together a little bit more or it deflects the attention away from my own inability because I don't want people to see that. Um, I think another thing that I've fallen into a lot is wallowing in my weakness or kind of Getting stuck in a pity party. Whenever I hear the word wallow, I don't exactly know what it means, but I imagine like just like a pig like rolling around in the mud over and over again, like just kind of staying stuck. Yeah. And whenever you've fallen down, like instead of getting back up and saying, How can I look to the Lord to keep going in this? Right. It's going. I'm going to stay focused on my weakness. I'm going to kind of say, gosh, there's all these things that are out of my control, and this isn't my fault, and I just wish this wasn't happening to me, and why am I this way, and just ruminate on and focus on all the ways that we're failing and just think that, that feels good to us yeah, sometimes. Yeah,
0: You know what I do is I start blaming others. I'm like the pig in the mud who looks at am like, I'm only doing this because of you.
1: Yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> Especially in ministry.
1: Yes, yes, yes. And we can kind of get stuck there. I would say that's pr- this is probably of all the ones I'm going to talk through, one of the ones that I struggle with the most is just almost that victim mentality of, of not wanting to move forward out of it, just yeah. kind of spiraling in my narrative of how bad I am. And then I think there's like some some good ways that we try to deal with weakness apart from God. And one is trying to shore up whatever that area is and, mm. and kind of fortify ourselves in that. So this is everything from like Going to Google, doing all the research, saying, I'm going to take a class in this area. I'm going to listen to an online seminary class in this area. I am going to read a book on this. Mm. You know, all of those things that we do to go, hey, because I don't know what I should do in this area or I'm feeling weak and insecure. I'm going to go gather all the information I can to try to change and try to get strong in this area. Hmm. And then I think finally, and this is again, I think generally a good thing is whenever we see a weakness, we can try to find someone who is strong in it and like bring in outside help. So that would be like outsourcing things that we know we're not naturally very good at. And I think people do this a lot, right? Like in work and in ministry, it's noticing, hey, I'm not very good at administrative things or organizational things or, you know, financial things. So I'm going to bring in an accountant and I'm going to bring in an assistant or whatever those things are to be able to kind of be self-aware. Hey, this is an area where I don't even know if I'm able to get totally strong. And so I'm going to bring in someone else to come alongside me and help. And I think all of those different things are ways that we kind of try to cope with our weakness or address it on our own.
0: Yeah, I relate to so many of these things. And even as you were speaking, I felt a little prick of conviction from the Holy Spirit (laughs) that I'm gonna have to go and apologize because I told you I'm trying a new software today. And I felt like, man, I'm just blaming everybody around me. Like, why do I have to change my software and, you know, all these things and just start lashing out in anger because I feel weak and I feel my own limitations when it comes to understanding how this thing works. So, How can we actually stop fighting our weakness and instead embrace it? And where do we find the strength that we really need?
1: Yeah. One of the things I love about this topic is that it doesn't really matter what type of weakness we're facing. And I think we'll get into that a little bit more. The point, the first thing that we need to do, though, is just acknowledge it. You don't have to ignore it. You don't have to stuff it down. You don't have to try to bolster yourself up. Like, whatever it is, acknowledge it and take it to the Lord and look to Christ. I mean, I just love that reminder in Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two. Like, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus. (laughs) And I think what we try to do a lot of times with our weakness is we just stare at it Mm -hmm. and we get mad at it and we ruminate about it and we try to come up with ways to fix it. But what God wants us to do is bring our cares and our concerns and our inabilities and our insecurities and all the ways that we feel like we're not enough to Him and give them to Him. Because when we do that, God— is our true identity, right? He gives us perspective on that. We realize that we are his, that we are made good in his image, that we are limited, that we do have struggles, but that he is for us. He's caring for us. And we also find help to move forward, right? If we are in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit in us. The Holy Spirit is going to comfort us and counsel us. We have the Word of God, and He's going to illuminate that so that we can follow Him in whatever situation we're in. He's given us God's people as well, right? Like, So we have others around us that are going to be helping us in the midst of our weakness because the body is actually called to care for one another in weakness. So that's just the best way forward no matter what it is that you're struggling with and i i just think so often when we see a weakness in ourselves we just go weakness equals bad like mm-hmm. how can i get rid of this as fast as possible or hide it but you know scripture doesn't shy away from this idea of weakness because in creation like god made us limited We were not meant to be enough in and of ourselves, right? That's not a defect. That is the way that God made us. Like, we need sleep. We need food. We have limits to where we exist in space and time. We can't predict the future. We can't control everything. Um, And so if we're mad at ourselves for being weak in those ways— we're not agreeing with God about the way he designed us, right? Only God is unlimited. Only God is abundant in his power and in his understanding. And I think just that in terms of, um, I guess, embracing our weakness or or acknowledging it is also noticing like, look, we live Mm post-fall. And so every single one of us is going to struggle with our sin nature. We're going to struggle with our flesh. And we're going to come up against... The brokenness of the world around us. There are going to be things in our lives that do bring trouble and hardship and suffering. And those things are going to make us feel weak. So we're not like unique in the sense that we're struggling against our own weaknesses. So we don't need to embrace them in that way of saying, like, oh, it's so good that I'm like this. But it's also just, it's normal that I'm like this. And scripture actually has. A way for me to move forward in the midst of this. And I think that's really where, you know, we see Paul saying in 2 Corinthians 12:10, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. What he means there is not like, Oh, it's so awesome. Like weakness in and of itself is so awesome. What he's saying is is that when he acknowledges his weakness and he depends on God in the midst of it, that is when he is strong. Mm. And so he's thankful and content insofar as his weakness, points him to Christ. He embraces his weaknesses insofar as he relies on Christ in the midst of them, and then he gets to see how God works in and through that situation. And so in that, we can see, yes, I can trust the Lord. I can acknowledge my weakness. I don't have to shy away from this. I don't have to condemn myself. I can take every single one of them to Him.
0: You know, you're making me think of that classic kind of risen motherhood thing that you guys do where you walk through creation, fall, redemption, consummation. You were even referencing creation and the fall there. And then as you're talking, I'm thinking, well, this is really the essence of the gospel, right? Like acknowledging, hey, we can't do it, but somebody else has come and done it for us. And his name is Jesus. So how can we apply the gospel to our weakness when we're really feeling it?
1: Yeah, I think to move forward with that idea of redemption, I love just looking at some of Christ's parables and seeing um, in Matthew chapter seven, he gives the story that we can probably all sing the tune of about building the house on the sand versus the rock. Yeah. The wise man builds his house upon the rock, you know? (laughs) And the idea there is like looking at two different people, someone who's wise is building their life on Christ. He hmm. is the foundation of their life. Hmm. And someone who is foolish is building their life on sand, something that can wash away, something that's going to fall away, something that's not going to stand. And both of these two people in this parable are being, you know, pelted by the storms of life. Yeah. And the both of these structures are weak but it's not in the structure that's making them stand it's in the foundation. Yeah. And what I love about that story is Jesus is is not only I think giving an example of what it means to live in this life firm on him as the foundation but it's really looking ahead to judgment day. Like anytime we see that picture of water in the Bible yeah. that is like threatening someone's life, I think there's imagery there of What is going to stand at the end? Are you going to make it through the water safely, through the ark of Christ, or are you going to fall and is just your life going to be washed away? And what we see in that is that someone who has built their life on the foundation of Christ, right, someday is going to get to heaven. This is that consummation piece. We're going to get to heaven And our lives are going to stand. We are going Mm. to be counted as righteous in Christ. Nothing is going to have separated us from the love of God. We're going to be told, Well done, my good and faithful servant. There is like ultimate security there, right? There is no weakness in our life that is going to bring us down if we are on the foundation of Christ. If we're not on the foundation of Christ, right, we're going to get to heaven and realize all these things that we thought maybe made us strong or that we were finding our security in or our hope in, those are all going to wash away. Those are not going to stand. Um, and so what that does when we realize, like, that is that is what Christ does for us. That's what he does on the cross through his death and his resurrection. Then we know, yeah, we're going to face we're going to face challenges in this life. We are going to have weaknesses. We are not going to be perfect. But in the midst of those, we can have strength and boldness and courage and security and endurance because we know that He is with us, helping us, and He's going to be with us all the way to the end. We will not ultimately fall, right? Mm. We're going to stumble in this life, but ultimately we will be Mm -hmm. standing with Christ on Judgment Day. And so I, I love that that picture and that reminder. And that's kind of what I go back to ultimately when I'm thinking about what redemption means for us as Christians, and even the fact that it means we get the Holy Spirit right now, right? Romans eight twenty six says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes with us for us with groanings too deep for words, Right? When we don't even know what to do, when we don't even know what to say, when we don't even know what to pray, because we have the Spirit in us, we are helped in our weakness. And additionally, we know that you know Romans five three through five says we can rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that these things, like these weaknesses, these trials, these things that really just get us down in life, are the things that God uses to produce mm-hmm. endurance and character, and and that gives us hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame, and it means that all of these things are actually being used for our good and for His Mm. glory. And that is so hopeful.
2: What is it that is rendering you weak and weary? Is it physical pain or a chronic illness? Is it a seemingly never-ending season of waiting and longing? Is it the day-to-day monotony of your work? Is it the continual pull of temptation and sin? Is it the frustration and seeming fruitlessness of your ministry? Is it the crushing weight of grief? What is it that is bringing you low? And, I wonder, how might that weakness press you deeper into Christ? How might your weariness prompt you to look to God in strength and dependence? In 2 Corinthians 4, 17-18, Paul writes that our light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I'll be the first to admit that at times, this verse has felt like a band-aid, quickly applied to my gaping wound. Because how in the world can someone describe my pain, my weariness, or my weakness as light? My hurt never feels light or momentary. In fact, it feels crushing and overwhelming. But even in our weariness, we actually can say this confidently alongside Paul, because we have in view God's eternal glory in the now unseen radiance of heaven. I know right now this might not make sense. It might not even feel helpful to you in this moment, but just try to think about it for a second. No matter what depth of pain or weariness or hurt you are walking through right now, in light of the glorious weight and beauty of eternity, it will feel light and momentary. Just consider the magnitude of goodness and grace and majesty and joy that you would have to experience for your current pain to dim so much in comparison. This friends is what is offered to us in the gospel. This is the hope that we have in Christ. You might feel at the end of your rope, but remember, the Lord Jesus will not let you fall. He will hold you fast. You will persevere. He will carry you and sustain you through to the end.
0: You know, I think one of the times that I feel my weakness the most is, is when I'm serving other people. Like, usually if it's just me trying to do something on my own, it's probably part of my personality, but I just don't care as much if I'm stumbling along. But when it impacts the people around me, whether it's like in a public sense or even just within the four walls of my own home, like my own children that is where i really start to feel this sense of like pressure and just my own limitations in a way that really disrupts me so how have you seen kind of your weakness impact your ability to serve others um and what do you do in those moments you know i you were mentioning romans 8 and i have a picture of myself that i've referenced on the podcast before where i'm feeling my weakness the people in the other room i.e. little children are needing me so acutely, and yet I feel as though I cannot provide what they need. So I walk into the other room to try and do something that I can control, like put the laundry into the dryer, and I stick my head in the dryer and just have to meditate on that verse from Romans, which is occurs just before the passage that you shared. <laughs> like, if the spirit of him who dwells in me raised Christ from the dead, he who raised Christ Jesus will also give life to my mortal body through his spirit who dwells in me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, like He raised Christ from the dead. Like He can do anything. Help me, Lord. And then sometimes, though, I've got to admit, Him. Like even in that moment, I don't feel any stronger. So, like, what does that look like for you, um, just to serve others out of your weakness?
1: Yeah, that is so frustrating, and I think it's normal that we don't immediately necessarily feel strong, right? Because oh, good. What what I think is good is we're having faith at that point that God is working in and through us and in and Mm. through the situation, even though we don't have proof of it yet. Like We don't have the feeling yet. We don't know the outcome yet. We don't exactly see what he's going to do, but we're trusting that Right as we walk forward, I believe this is true, God. I believe these promises are true. I cannot understand how you are helping me in the midst of this, but I believe that you are. Um, And so I think that there's an element of that. But, you know, in terms of our weaknesses impacting our abilities to serve others, I think, like, I have to remember over and over and over again that I cannot be all things to all people. Like. Again, going back to that idea of how God created us. Well, He created us with limitations. He created us that we would not be able to be sufficient in and of ourselves, that we would not be able to be enough, that we could not meet every need. And so, again, that's that's good. We have to agree with God on that and go, I really— want to be able to be the best in all of these areas right now, right? That's like what I struggle with over and over and over again is I get annoyed because as soon as I start to focus on motherhood and I'm like, okay, I'm really going to try to help my kids with this. I'm going to really up my discipleship in this area and whatever all those things are, I completely drop the ball on something else. Like, I'm now like I haven't checked my email in five days, you know, and I know now I'm not responding to anyone on that side. Or, you know, I really focus on marriage and, you know, what kind of wife I'm going to be. And then, you know, I realize that I've been feeding my kids just crazy food for the last few days. You know, it's just like no matter what area I'm focused on, I can't do all the areas at one time. Like, I'm just limited in that way. And I think it's helpful for me to remember that even when Jesus was on the earth, you know, in his physical body. He had those same type of limitations, and he was also going to the Father every day to know the Father's will for him, to Hmm. know what he should do next. Right? There were people that wanted to be healed when Jesus was on earth that did not receive healing from him, you know, in that moment, like he did not do everything he possibly could have done. He did the things that God was directing him to do that day. And in that way, he perfectly obeyed the Father while still, right, being anchored to physical places in time and not being able to be in multiple places or, you know, pour into all people, right? He chose 12 disciples, not, you know, 200 disciples. Hmm. And so I, I think that that's encouraging to me when I remember, like, our Savior needed to sleep. Our Savior needed to sit down and have meals. Our Savior needed time to go be alone with His Father. And so in that sense, He didn't get more done during that time. I think something I always need to remember is I'm not always going to be the best person to help in every situation. I love that picture of the body of Christ, right? Some people are going to be hands and fingers, and some people are going to be earlobes, and some people are going to be feet <laughs> and knees. Um, and in that sense, like everything, everyone plays a little bit of a different role. Everyone has different gifts and abilities. Everyone is at different seasons of their life. And so it's okay if I'm an elbow and I can't do what the nose does. That's all right. And and that means I can cheer on the person who is gifted at those things, and I can acknowledge my weaknesses in that area, and not feel like, oh, geez, now I've got to figure out how to become that mm-hmm. type of person. But instead, to look around and go, who can fill in that gap in mm-hmm. the church? Who can do that? Maybe it's not me. Um, and I think that that's really hard, you know, especially in ministry. I regularly get emails from people saying, "Hey, can you?" come speak at this thing? Or can you come do this thing? Or can you endorse this thing? And I love all of that. And I want to be able to do all of it. But I can't do all of it. And so when I notice that, sometimes I will even pray like, God, who else do you have? Like, Bring up someone else that is able to do that thing where I can't. And I think it's also good for me to remember I'm always going to be wrestling with my weaknesses like on this side of heaven. And so maybe specifically some of the things I'm thinking about are like the way that grief makes me feel weak, the Mm. way that maybe health conditions might make me feel weak, the way that the limitations of the family life and the circumstances that God has given me make me feel weak. You know, just last week, one of my children was in the hospital for a couple of days. Mm. And when we got out of the hospital for probably two days, I was not able to function at max energy and capacity. Wow. Like I hadn't slept You know, in a whole night, basically, I had been totally on adrenaline in the hospital trying to make sure my son had everything he needed. I had eaten really yucky food in the hospital because that was, you know, all I could get my hands on. And so I came home and I could really feel my weaknesses and go, I'm not able to serve others right now in the way that I want to because I just went through this really hard thing. I think before I wrote this book, I would have really beat myself up for that, yeah. and I would have been like, well, too bad, because people still need your help, Emily, and they don't really care that you were just in the hospital for a couple of days. And I, I really learned to shift that narrative, because I don't think that that's the way God is looking at me. I don't think the way that's the way God is wanting me to think about that situation. I think instead, it's looking at that and going, you know what? God knew that this was going to happen. God brought these things into my life. It's okay that I feel depleted for a couple of days. I can rest in that, that if I don't do all the things for two days afterwards, it's going to be okay. <laughs> God is yeah. going to be in control. I can trust him in that. And so sometimes I think we just need to trust what he's doing when we can't do it all.
0: You know, I really relate to that. And I think maybe it's like season of life, but I just feel like I'm just a little bit behind the curve on Everything that I'm supposed to be doing. Like I'll show up to a dental appointment and they'll be like, actually, that appointment was at nine, not eleven. Just stuff like that. <laughs> We're like, man, I just barely missed it. Um, so I feel like I have learned to extend grace to others just by being this season myself. But what helps you extend grace as you're ministering alongside other people? Like you have a whole team at Risen Motherhood, for example, or maybe even in the context of your own local church, you're just doing ministry alongside somebody who's in a hard time or just generally has like a lower capacity or maybe their skill set is lower um, than yours. So how can we um, just extend grace as we experience the limitations of those who are serving alongside?
1: Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I think is one of the gifts of walking through different types of weakness is it allows us to understand and have compassion for others in their weakness
0: yeah,
1: and to not be quite so well, if they would just do X, Y, and Z, or if they would just try harder, they would get their selves, themselves yeah. together. I think that it's good, right? When we get kind of like knocked knocked down a couple pegs and we see how much we need God, how much we need His help and His work in our lives, how much we need Him to sustain us. I think sometimes if I have a few nights where I didn't sleep very well and all of a sudden I'm totally strung out, I'll realize like, oh, Here I thought I was just holding myself all together, but really, actually, all you have to do is take a few hours of sleep away from me and I'm a mess, you know? Or (laughs) I think there are things that happen in our lives that kind of shake us up and make us realize, oh, maybe it wasn't all me that was holding it together. Maybe it wasn't all my hard work. Maybe it wasn't how cool and impressive I am, but it was actually... There were some circumstances in my life that were allowing me to function at that level. Um, and so I really do, I do sort of value that because I think then we're able to comfort others and meet them in their weakness. And I love there is um, a passage in 1 Thessalonians 5.14 uh, that Paul and Timothy are, are writing to this Thessalonian church. And they say, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. Be patient with them all. Um, And so in this, he's talking about different groups of people. So first he says, admonish the idol. And the idol in this particular context were people that were saying, you know, Christ is going to come back really soon, so we don't really have to do anything. Like, let's just kind of sit tight and not engage in ministry, not engage in kingdom work, kind of hoard up our possessions or whatever those things are, because We're just going to kind of like sit tight and wait for Jesus to come back. And Paul does say like admonish them, (laughs) remind them that they have work to do until Christ comes back. And so they're not to just sit idly and do nothing. Um, So he definitely says like, hey, that perspective on life is not the right perspective. But then he moves to the next group, and he says, encourage the faint-hearted. I like the way that I was looking up this word, and I found some other kind of synonyms. And one is like small-souled, little-spirited, fretful, Mm. discouraged, despondent, despairing, right? That is someone who is just – they are just down, faint-hearted. They are are just worn down by life. They are struggling in their faith. They're struggling in their circumstances. And Paul says, encourage them, Hmm. not admonish them, not yell at them, not eye roll at them, um, but encourage them. And I love that picture of, of just, he's not annoyed with this group of people. He's saying, no, come alongside them, speak truth to them, love them. And then the next group is the weak, help the weak. And I was looking up this word, and I think this is typically a translation kind of for the concept of being infirm or someone who has some type of physical or bodily limitation that renders them sort of like vulnerable or helpless. So this could be people with disabilities. This could be the elderly. This could be people who are struggling with various diseases or health issues that Are really making it like physically hard for Mm -hmm. them to function and care for themselves. And Paul says to the church, help them, like help them in what they need. Again, not I roll, not these people are a drag on us, not how can we kind of cut loose the people who aren't helping us and run ahead. He's like, these are your responsibility. These people are people that you need to be caring for and tangibly helping. And then I love that he ends that phrase with, Be patient with them all, right? And that's including those idle people that were mentioned at the beginning. We have to be patient with others in their weakness because God is patient with us in our weakness. And it's like that, you know, when you receive that grace from God and you realize how much you need help and you realize how long suffering the Lord is toward you, then that's how you can extend that to others,
2: Maybe you're listening to this episode and by God's grace, your faith feels strong. Your heart is encouraged and you are excited to put all your effort towards the work that God has set before you. First of all, praise God. What a gift. But second, take a moment to ask yourself if you have eyes to see those around you who might be weak. Is there someone in your church who suffers from illness or debilitating pain? Is there a young mom who seems overwhelmed by the needs in her current season of life? Is there a couple who you know is grieving their struggle to conceive? Is there a widow who might be experiencing deep loneliness? Pray and ask the Lord to give you eyes to see those around you who might be weary. Pray for them faithfully. Get to know them, ask them about their needs, and seek to come alongside them in their weariness. Consider past seasons in your life where you have felt needy and weary. How did others encourage you? What scriptures did you hold on to? How did the Lord uphold you through that season? Remember 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4, which says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with a comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Consider, how might you comfort others with a comfort you have received? Maybe this looks like offering tangible help to a woman in need in your church. Maybe it's stewarding your own past painful experiences and starting a grief group for hurting women in your church. Maybe it's driving an older woman to her hospital appointments, or maybe it's as simple as giving a hug to a woman at church, sending a text with a scripture verse and saying that you're praying for her, sending her a Venmo for a coffee treat, or dropping her favorite pastry off at her door. Our local expressions of the body of Christ are a beautiful place to offer care and support to those in need. Let's lean in and care well for the weary women around us.
0: Man, I'm gonna leave the closet with some repentance. (laughs) <laughs> uh, in view. Good job, Em. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you bringing the word to us and allowing the Lord to work in our hearts through his word. That's such an encouragement. Do you have any other encouragement for all of us little ones? One of the things I love about your devotional is that it's centered around the song, Jesus Loves Me. And you and I have talked offline about this because I just did the children's book on Amy Carmichael, and it was so fun to see the connection that she came to faith in Christ as she was meditating on Jesus Love Me, which just so happened to be her uh, mother's favorite hymn. So uh, considering that all of us are little ones, we're not just talking about babies, we're talking about those of us who are weak. Um, What encouragement do you have for all of us little ones, uh, just to hope in our strong, steadfast God?
1: Yeah. Well, I love that whenever we see ourselves as little ones, as children in the kingdom, then we also get to include ourselves when Jesus says, let the children come to me, you Mm. know, Uh, let the little children come to me. Essentially, like, don't hold them back from me. And that's kind of what we've been talking about this whole time is God wants us to come to him, you know, just like a child to their parent, a sheep to a shepherd, right? We are safe in His care. We are um, loved. We are welcomed. You know, I think whenever we are standing at a distance and we're clenching our fists and we're stomping around and we're trying to fix things ourselves, Mm. we are rejecting the love and the help that God wants to give. And I don't know if you have experienced this, Hunter, but sometimes I will try all these different things to fix a situation and then I'll pray about it. And in like 24 hours, something significant happens and moves forward. And I'm just like,
0: mm, should have prayed first.
1: <laughs> why didn't I do that first? Like, why did I waste all of that time in my own effort when I just needed to take it to the Lord and like, say, God, I need your help. You deal with it. And if you are a mom of a, a child, you also know how funny and frustrating it is when you see them trying to do something that's like impossible for them, right? Whether it's tie their shoe to get out the door and they, you've never even taught them how to tie their shoe or, you know, carry something that's impossible for them to carry. And they're just mad and you know, I'm going to do it myself. And as a parent, you're standing back going, just let me help. Seriously. like, <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I want to come in and love you in this. And that's what God's heart is towards us as well.
0: I love that so much. And I'll be thinking about that as my little ones are trying to accomplish these things in and of their own strength and reminded of my need to lean on the Lord in dependence. So, you know, all throughout this series, we're talking about just offering rest to those who feel weary, particularly those who are engaging in the difficult work of ministry, whether it be in the four walls of their own home in their local church context or, you know, at their professional work, whatever it is. So how do you rest, M, when you're feeling weary? I know you have all different kinds of challenges in your life. You have a son that has special Mm -hmm. needs. Mm -hmm. You have five kids. I mean, that in and of itself, I'm like, and then to top it off, you know, you've faced a lot of different challenges even just in the last few years. So how do you rest Mm -hmm. when you feel weary?
1: Hmm. I mean, of course, there's always that remembering to rest my heart in Christ, no matter yeah. what the situation is, and remember these truths. I think that sounds cliche, but honestly, sometimes when I'm very physically tired and there's not a clear end to the situation that I'm in, that is the rest that I just have to hold on to, that That Christ is working in me. He's working through me. He's caring for me. He's providing for me. I think there's there's definitely rest in that. But, but practically speaking, I think something I, I have paid more attention to in the last few years is the regular patterns of my daily life and how I am providing margin for my body physically to yeah. rest. I have just done a lot of reading about different physical things the last couple of years. And the thing that I come back to over and over again that I read over and over again is sleep. Sleep is important to almost every single system of your body. It helps your memory. It helps your cognition. It helps you not get sick as much. It helps your muscle fibers repair. It helps everything. There's a reason why God designed our bodies to like shut down (laughs) for eight to nine hours every night. And actually, it is a little bit more usually even for women than for men in terms of how much sleep is restorative. And so I have really tried to prioritize sleep. If there is nothing else that I am able to do in a situation, it's like, how can I get sleep? And I know that there are seasons of life for moms that That's just impossible, and I'm so sorry if you're in that season because I know how hard it is, and I have gone through those seasons, but I still think whenever, as I was mentioning of my son being in the hospital, like that was one of the first things I did when I got home was I looked the next night, and I was like, how can I go to bed early Mm -hmm. and rest my body? Because what I've noticed is that it's almost like a domino. When I can get my sleep restored – then I can start putting a lot of other pieces in place. Yeah. When I don't get sleep, it's it's almost like I nothing else can kind of make up for that deep physical rest. Yeah. And really, I think that there's there's evidence in scripture too that sleep and rest is something God wants for us, right? I give to my beloved sleep. And God never sleeps or slumbers. And so he Is awake and taking care of things all the time, and it's okay for us to take that type of rest. So that's that's kind of my go-to thing, which sounds very basic and not fancy, but honestly, like prioritizing my sleep has been huge.
0: Yeah, I think that's just such a practical expression of your faith that God is working even while you rest. And so I love that very basic thing. Well, Em, it's been such a joy just to get to learn from you on this topic. Truly, it has ministered to me, and it's also challenged me to extend grace to other little ones and just to view one another um, through that lens. And I'm really excited to just continue meditating on these truths. So thank you so much for joining us on the Journey Women podcast today. We're really excited to get your book in hand and to get it in the hands of others so that they can uh, reflect on biblical truths when they feel weak. It's how many devotions is it? 40? It's 30. 30 devotions for when you feel weak. So it's going to be perfect if you need a little (laughs) boost of encouragement, Um, just uh, reminders of what's true from M in various different topics, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I try to cover like 30 totally different ways that I have experienced weakness or that I know are commonly experienced. So hopefully there's something in there for everybody.
0: Cool. Cool. We'll be sure to link it in the show notes. Thank you again for joining us on the journey women podcast today.
1: Oh, thanks for having me Hunter. It was a joy to be here.
0: Love you friends. Wasn't that a breath of fresh air? After listening, we hope that you are encouraged to lean into Christ's strength in the moments that you feel weak today. Also, be sure to check out Emily's new book, He is Strong, for more biblical encouragement to trust the Lord even in the midst of your weakness. Hey, if you're enjoying our Rest for the Weary series, consider sharing this episode with a friend. As always, thanks for listening. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. Can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.